Hello, listener. Um, Well, I have some notes on my last uh, episode. Apologies for the halting speech here. Something is throwing me off again about the audio. It sounds quite different than last time. It's like last time I found the sweet spot and I thought I left everything the same, but this sounds different. But you know what? I won't let myself get as distracted by it as I did last time. Uh, but yeah, <clears throat> uh, what I wanted to do is to do a little of, a little bit of uh, editorializing over the last episode because I listened to it, and apart from getting triggered with all the um, inability to breathe, <laughs> and that actually is such a weird condition. I think I have, I, I think I have some kind of breathing disorder because, like today, for example, I've just been like yawning all day, and and it's not a typical kind of yawn. It's like um, this yawn that comes from like a deficit of oxygen, I guess, you know? Uh, and yeah, so hopefully, you know, I really do need to think about, cause if I were just talking to someone normally, I wouldn't be running out of breath. I guess, I guess part of what freaks me out is like when I inhale, I can hear it clearly on the microphone. Um, if I do it through my nose, it's not audible. Maybe that's the trick. Nose and mouth, leveraging those in, in uh, the right sequence. But, okay, well, anyway, so there's a few things. Apart from the annoyingness of, of my breathlessness, which hopefully didn't trigger you like it triggered me when I listened to that, um, there's a few things I wanted to mention. So the I, I spoke about one of the um, modules in the Live Mind course, which is uh, called Super Drive. And, you know, I explained all that in the previous episode. I won't go into it again. But what I did wanted to mention is something I didn't bring up that, you know, obviously you should be staying within the all, all you know, all driving rules. So speed limit, lanes, etc. So because <laughs> I think I mentioned like, you know, driving with like an F1 like level of focus, right? Which, first of all, is, is a fallacy because, you know, I certainly... Not, I'm sure I'm not achieving anywhere near the level of focus that those those guys can do. But um, comparing to F1 kind of you know makes you imagine driving quickly, obviously racing, and and that's not at all what I was trying to say. So it's basically just driving better than than you would when you're not fully paying attention, but definitely staying within rules and and um, speed limits, etc. And actually, you know, within those constraints, you can still have a super fun and rewarding and safe driving experience. So that was one thing. Uh, my phone locked up on me, and that's where I had my notes. I think I made a grammatical mistake that I was like, I shouldn't mention that. Who cares? But I'm mentioning it now, so I'll just go ahead and follow through. Um, I don't know. I just have a note here It said, what was true, and then I said some other stuff, and then I said are true, and it should be is true. Who cares? Not me, not you, but there it is. The other thing that annoyed me was I said you know about 276 times, probably. I mean, I didn't count, but it, it got to the point where I was like, oh my god. I mean, I realized that you know is just one of those verbal tics, and you probably didn't notice it. But since I was listening to myself and probably in, in a bit of a critical 
stance, um, it really started <laughs> getting to me. It's, it's a funny thing. I don't usually say, you know, that, I mean, I do, I do say it often, but it was like dialed up to a crazy level. Okay. Sorry for the extraneous noise. Uh, just taking a drink of water here. Breathing. It's good to breathe. Breath is life. I have to get to the bottom of this, but I, I don't know what it is about my breathing habits, but there is something dysfunctional about it. Not always, but often. Like, definitely if I get nervous, like, you know, what happened to me in my last recording session, I'll get all, you know, my, my breathing will just get all out of sync, and I'll just have to keep yawning, like, ah, I'm trying to recuperate air. This is also, now that I think about it, been with me for... For years, I can, you know, I don't know quite how far back, but I can definitely think of situations in my life going back quite a ways where this was an issue. This, this, this breathing thing is like this yawning, this need to yawn a lot. It just happens in certain days, like today, it's happening a lot. It's not always like that. Um, but, you know, I, I bet it has quite a fundamental effect on my state of mind or, you know, one's state of mind, I, I bet breathing has, you know, pretty deep effect on, on our state, right? Obviously, I mean, if you, if you don't breathe, you die. But beyond that obvious um, point, I mean, and, you know, I, I mentioned also in the last episode that I do a lot of breathing exercises that I, I did, I took the Wim Hof course. Uh, this is now going back, hmm, I don't know, six years. Oh. All right. Anyway, going to have to pause. Okay. Um, thing is, I forgot what we were talking about. Breathing. Oh, I breathe every day. I, I do these, um, this breathing exercise. It, it involves um, breathing for a certain number of repetitions, inhaling more oxygen than you exhale. And I do it, I do 30 reps and then hold my breath and then I'll do 40 and hold my breath, and then I'll do uh, 50 breaths, and and then hold my breath. Um, it's interesting. I, you know, I, I guess I heard Wim Hof for the first time on some podcast, and then just did a little more investigation, and then tried that technique. And I think the very first time I tried it, it had some really fundamental, physiological, like very palpable effect, and also just a very positive effect like I mean I just felt really good afterwards and so I've just done it ever since and actually you know I'm surprised because like certain practices that I do they'll come and go and they'll change over time but this has really stuck and I think it's just because it, it has a real effect that that I'm just you know I don't know what that effect is you know scientifically speaking to be honest but it just feels good and it, it's a positive impact that it's had on my life and Someone else might be walking up to the door, but maybe not. Um, oh, what is that crackle? How does that happen? Went away. Oh my god, this is fun. Hold on, back, back again. Um, yeah, that was the uh pest control guy. They come, I 
think every quarter and uh i had received a text message about it but i thought it was i thought it was for monday so i was somebody rang the doorbell and i was like you know what i don't i thought i thought it was a door-to-door salesman i usually answer but don't want to look like a bad person here but today i was like i i can't i can't right now i'm just gonna like wait it out uh but it was him and then he just started working around the house And I heard some noise outside. You don't care about this either, do you? I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's get back to the topic at hand. But all I was going to mention is we were talking about bugs, uh, different invasive, little invasive species that have showed up here in South Texas, where I live, um, and whatnot. It's a whole world, the world of insects, obviously. Uh, fascinating, fascinating. But what was I talking about? Uh, the breathing. Yep. I've just stuck with it just because um, I think it really does have a real and positive physiological and psychological effect. Um, so I would definitely recommend that. But, you know, it's something that I do in the morning. Sometimes I'll, I'll you know, I'll do it up to three times a day. Some days I don't, I, like, I haven't done it today. Um, average probably 1.5 times a day. This kind of three rep routine that I described. And despite that, I mean, it's not as if that, you know, kind of rectifies my breathing throughout the day. The obvious analogy is like with meditation, right? So, you know, you might meditate in the morning, but then you kind of slide into your normal day. The meditation is like this little parentheses, uh, but on either side of of those parentheses, you have your just usual set point of of how you are, right? Set point is that is that the right default state, kind of maybe? Um, and, you know, if that meditation is not sort of infiltrating the rest of your life in some way, then, like, what's the purpose, right? Uh, same with the breathing, I guess. Like, like, you know, why am I doing it if it doesn't make me breathe better later? That I don't think that fully, maybe it's not a perfect analogy because it does, it does do something for me. There's no doubt about it. There's that crackle again. Let me hear it. I thought I heard it. Um, well incredibly rambly episode here and actually you know I don't have a specific topic at hand I think I was just trying to that crackle is going to drive me crazy it like comes and goes why would that be I'm not touching anything like is it anyway it might just be feedback in like my headphones but then it it won't come through in the recording hopefully that's the case well I should I should um should have a topic for this, right? I mean, if I if I'm making you listen to this, there's got to be some kind of point to it or value, right? And so I think what I'll do is so the other day, you know, I've had I would say in my life several, you know, pretty standoutish experiences that have driven me along my or guided me or kind of propelled me maybe along my quote unquote spiritual path. Although there really is no path because it's like you know a journey back to the very beginning in the sense that what you're looking for is what you already are, you know, and all you're trying to do is actually stop the activity that, that sort of obscures the awareness of what you truly are. Right. But, um, a few days ago, a week ago, something like that. Um, I had a pretty intense uh, spiritual experience and took a few notes in the wake of that that maybe I could relate here and just kind of talk through and maybe comment on hopefully that this it'll be somewhat interesting to you let me take a drink of water awkward and uh, take a breath 
oxygen and water. Good. All right. So what I wrote, um, life is like an endlessly flowing fractal. Have you ever seen those fractal videos or whatever, where it's just this infinitely, you know, plummeting view of just kind of patterns just unfolding out at you and it it seems like you're going to get to one point but you never do this is the dog episode uh the the dog barking episode uh, my pest control friend is out there. i have to pause again i love my dog but that was extremely annoying extremely annoying and i realize you know he is probably a better representative for enlightenment than i am uh and hopefully maybe maybe his barks woke you up Maybe that was the final little stimulus you needed just to tip you into awakening. But um, <laughs> there he is barking in the distance again. I might have to slaughter him. Um, so um, I was talking about fractals. Oh, yeah, I was reading this thing. Okay. So you know what a fractal is, right? So life is like an endlessly flowing fractal, and you're just riding the wave of experience. It unfolds completely independent of you, yet you embody it and know it as yourself. So I'll pause there. Like, I mean, it's an, I think it's an inconsistent analogy that I'm painting here, but you know, the part that that bothers me a little bit is riding the wave of experience because that implies a wave and then separately someone on top of it riding it. Right. Which is not really, I think how the experience feels. Uh, But this other part here where it says, it unfolds completely independent of you, yet you embody it and know it as yourself. That 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 feels like a good kind of articulation. Any words, of course, are never, can never at all, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this, of course. It's the finger pointing at the moon, right? But um, by unfolds completely independent of you, what I mean is if you've ever noticed and you take a peek at your experience, you're creating none of it, including your thoughts, there's just none of it that you are. I mean, you can you can manipulate thoughts. You know, it, it can you can get the feeling that you're, you know, orchestrating thoughts. But that's it's. I think at best we just have influence over it. Sort of like with the breath, right? If you're asleep, you're still breathing. When you're awake, most time you're not aware of breathing. You're still breathing. If you bring your awareness to the breath, you can be aware of it. You can also manipulate your breath, but. Largely, it is an automatic activity, right? So I, I, I think, in in all those ways, it's very similar with thought. Water break. Um, try to keep those to a minimum. So it unfolds completely independent of you. So basically, every element of your experience is just being created. It, it, who knows how? You know, it's just happening. It's happening. You're not the one that's making it happen yet. You embody it and know it as yourself. You are the thing that's happening. But <laughs> strangely, you're not the one orchestrating it. Uh, it's a weird uh, paradigm. A paradigm? No, it was the paradox. Paradox. Um, but there it is. It's interesting. Uh, next sentence. There's something bouncy or sticky about thought where we can keep bouncing back to similar locations in thought that makes it feel as if we can sort of suspend ourselves over experience or over time, kind of bringing ourselves, I'm both reading and editorializing here, 
at the same time, bringing ourselves sort of like out of the flow of experience and, and conceiving of this like independent entity that sort of just floats in this theoretical space that is not within time or is not within experience that evaluates and, and opines upon all those experiences, but is like separate from it in some way. We use thought to, to, to sort of just create this sensation, uh, but this is actually just a simulation. Uh, what is it? Just a simulation. I think there should be a period there. Um, the setup of the human organism itself sort of assumes a character, right? You have arms, legs, you know, two eyes, a mouth, a nose, two ears on your head, and, and it makes, you know, your head feel like kind of the epicenter of, of self, the body being, you know, the puppet that you control. But this, uh, this is just like a convenience that, that gets the job of surviving in your environment done, right? I mean, if you, I suppose if you were fully enlightened, if, if there is such a thing or if such a thing is attainable for a human being, you might not be very incentivized to do anything as an organism because you're kind of residing in ultimate perfection all the time. Uh, so, you know, there is some survival benefit to you miss perceiving the, the actual reality and, and sort of, you know, being your attention being sequestered into this like ego self that preserves the body and perpetuates it. Um, let's see, let's pick up on the reading here. The ultimate truth is that you are an unending fractal of experience blossoming infinitely inward and outward simultaneously. I don't know about the inward and outward part. I don't know why I had to emphasize both of those. That right At this moment, maybe in that moment, it was like ringing true in this moment. I'm not quite getting that piece. But, and then I end it by saying, why? I have no fucking clue. And I really don't. Why are we here? What is reality? You know? Does anybody know? I had this dream once, which um, stuck with me. It was during a period period of my life when I was having a lot of um, what they call them, lucid dreams. So, so typically, the way that happens is you're in a dream, you're believing yourself to be the dream character and the dream situation to be real, and then there's something happens that sort of tips you off that seems odd, gets you thinking. There's this period where you're just like, wait a minute, what? And then suddenly, light bulb moment, ah, I'm in a dream. Uh, now that now you've become lucid within that dream, right? Which is a nice analogy for enlightenment too, I think. But um, this particular dream, I didn't go lucid. So the sequence started where I was. It was, it was in a house party, and there was a sea of people all around me and loud music. And I started to think, wait, wait, where Am I? And where was I before this? I can't remember. Why can't I remember where I was before this? That is so weird. And I got right up to the edge of awareness, right? <clears throat> the next step would have been, oh, right, I'm in a dream. But I didn't hit that point. And, and right before, I, before taking that last step, um, I went, you know what? I don't care. It doesn't matter. I don't know. And that mystery is you know, beautiful in a way. And it's, 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 um, I don't know. I can't think of a word. 
it's uh, delicious in a way. Like the fact that there's this vast mystery without an answer, just knowing that the, that the mystery is there is somehow magical, you know? I don't know. And I, and I just said, you know what? It's okay. I don't have to have the answer, you know? And I just turned my full attention to that experience that I was having. And then I don't remember much more after that, but I do remember that in those next seconds, I started to just be filled with, you know, a ton of joy and just, you know, I don't know, joy. Um, and it was interesting. And, and I think there's something correlatable to life there where we don't always need the answer, you know, to everything. We don't, we don't have to know everything. Uh, and we can't. We can't even if we wanted to. So no matter how much we try to swat away the the uncertainty in life, we're never going to fully succeed, not even close, right? Um, and we're, we're just going to run ourselves ragged. And, I, and as I feel like it's the wrong mode with which to approach life, like a, a much more, and by the way, like in specific moments, it's better to kind of become this like, I don't know, analytical, it is sometimes and probably often beneficial to take on this like information-driven approach of I need to understand this and know how it works and what it means and, and make decisions accordingly. Yes, yes, yes. But as a basic mode of approaching life, I, I do think that accepting the truth of unknowability, of, of mystery is, and then being not only comfortable with it, but delighted by that, um, is a much better way to live life. More fruitful of happiness, less productive of suffering. And so that's what I recommend to you. Um, just sometimes sit in the unknowability of it all. The fact that you are here right now, but you don't know why. I mean, yeah, your parents gave birth to you, but why are were they there? You know, why why is anything here instead of nothing? It's a vast mystery. It's such a big mystery that every day when we wake up, we have to carefully kind of compartmentalize that, package it away, put it over here in the corner. Let's not focus on that. Um, let's pretend like we're not aware of it but it's there all the time, the elephant in the room. And at the center of that elephant is awakening, enlightenment, becoming awake, which means awakening. So that was a little bit redundant, but that's there. That's a, It's always available right at the center of the mystery. And it doesn't mean that an answer comes, but the questions can fall away in, a, in an interesting way. So I think, um, I don't know how long I've been going because this software that I'm using is counting bars, right? Like, what does that mean? 705 bars. Hopefully that was uh, long enough, but not too long. And I'll see you, or well, talk to you next time. Good luck.